0: welcome back to the wide open podcast i have to say i have to start off this episode of the wide open podcast by giving you my most sincere apologies it has been entirely too long since i've been able to get on here and share what's been going on in district 37 and stuff that's uh, in the peripheral to district 37 for quite a few weeks uh i gotta be honest with you it's uh it's the crazy part crazy time of year in district right now uh as a district officer uh it it uh, this is the time of year that it gets busy um stewards are working really hard right now this time of year trying to tabulate all the points to make sure they're ready to to get everything finalized for the end of the year um heather the referee is uh, working diligently to to make sure that we're on top of uh, everything that has to do with scoring uh the the her and the comp committee they work together to to look at uh, any proposed uh, rule changes that they might uh, think that they need for the following year, and they work on all that stuff. Uh, we've got officer nominations and elections coming up, just a lot of busy stuff. So it's uh, been a little preoccupied with uh, with district stuff, and so I, I have to apologize for not uh, being as, as up-to-date as I promised I would be with the podcast. But we got a lot to talk about tonight. So before we get started with that, as always, the Wide Open Podcast is brought to you by Rad Custom Graphics, Ryan Abatoy Designs. I mean, Ryan is absolutely 100% the go-to guy for anything that you need. I don't even know uh, how I could uh, describe exactly what it is that he does, uh, other than to say that he is the go-to guy for whatever it is that we need in District 37. He handles all of our shirts for us, he handles hats, he's designed the logos for multiple series that we have going on in District 37, He's he made the backdrop for the youth series that we have. I mean, he's just your guy. You need a wrap for your van, he's your guy. You need graphics for your bike, he's your guy. Uh, You want to get t-shirts made that say uh, Beat Perkins on it, he's your guy. You want a hat embroidered that says Beat Perkins, he's your guy. So reach out to Ryan at uh, radcustomgraphics.com. He can take care of anything that you need. Okay, so let's get to it. Uh, We're going to go ahead and start with the most recent weekend and work our way back. And we're going to start with something that really wasn't a District 37 race, or it's not. I look at it kind of like it's a District 37 race because there were so many District 37 riders that participated in it, and that's the 24-hour Glen Helen. Uh, I've raced that race, uh, I think five or six times. We didn't, we haven't raced in the past couple of years, but I'm telling you, I don't think that there's a tougher race out there, just in terms of the of the level of difficulty that Glen Helen is just to begin with. Uh, I mean, I love that place. I'll race anything that they have there. So I, I've, I've become accustomed to riding there. But they can throw a lot of obstacles at you. Uh, add to that the fact that uh, we had a, something unusual for Southern California. We had a whole bunch of rain. And when it was raining on Friday night, I knew that that was going to be a muddy mess for all the teams that were out there racing that. And, and from everything I saw on social media, it absolutely was. And there's just something about what it takes to mentally prepare yourself to race for 24 hours. I remember the first year that we raced the 24 hour and we were, we were chasing after what, what eventually, what we eventually found out was, uh, was Johnny's team, uh, from JCR. And as the sun came up in the morning, you know, you get this, uh, you start feeling encouraged because you, you're like, man, the race is almost over. And you realize. You still got like another three or four hours of racing that you have to do when the suns come up in the morning and you're tired and you're, you're beat up. And every time we leave that race, we say, we'll never race it again until the next day we start softening on it. And then the following day you start thinking that you want to do it again. About a week after, you know, when you're not quite as sore, you start making preparations for, for what you're going to do the following year, how you're going to improve on your finish, uh, you know, all the things you want to change so that you can do better. So, and I have, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that the same can be said for all the teams that race the 24. Now, I just, uh, off the top of my head, just wrote down some names that I'd seen across social media. And, and I tell you what, I'm awful proud to say that there were so many District 37 riders uh, or District 37 regulars that teamed up. To, to race the 24-hour, just to throw out a couple of names: uh, Justin Schultz, Ryan Lee Belt, Matt Eddy, and Rowan Tres went out there to win, win the 30 class. I mean, those guys are badasses, anyway you look at it. And I, I love that uh, that 30x team or 300x team—they've been down there crushing it in Baja, and they decided to come up here and go do the same thing at the 24. Of course, you've got your Big Six regulars and Justin Seeds and Blaine Thompson on the Precision Concepts Cowie—they overalled the thing. Uh, I mean, those two guys are just uh, at the top of their game right now. Uh, Was cool to see uh, Colton Udall, Jacob Argerbright, and Nick Garvin, to name a few on that team, all team team up together. Nice to see Colton back on a bike, uh, and was pretty cool to see Jacob with his post today, pretty excited about his first ever venture into the 24-hour. I'm sure we'll see him again. Uh, Not to be overshadowed, uh, Nick Stover, I mean Stover Stover's just an absolute badass. It sounds like he's got uh he's got some things figured out on that 250 and was riding fast and now is riding even faster now that he's got some some things figured out. What was really cool this year uh and if uh, you couldn't escape it on social media was the Junior 24-hour challenge. And it was pretty cool to see so many district regular regulars racing in different classes on that, you know, in the youth challenge. So I'm going to throw out a couple of names. And uh, I'm sure a lot of these names are going to be familiar to you. Uh, so one of the one of the teams featured riders such as Clayton Roberts, Connor Eddy. And remember this name, because we're going to touch on this a little bit later, Mikaela Nielsen. Uh, the 65 team had such riders as Brennan Watson, Jet Lessing, Dustin Davis, and Tristan Alvarez. Those are also names to watch. Those are young rippers that are going to be out there just absolutely crushing it here in the next couple of years. Um, and big hats off. To some, to some local riders who, I mean, they're, they're at the top of their game and they decided to go out there and lend a hand with the younger kids and chase some of those riders around and I'm talking about Dalton Shirey, Gary Sutherland and Jacob Alvarez, to, just to name a couple of them. You know, I can tell you from racing that race and when you're out there in the middle of the night it's a very lonely feeling to be out there on that course and you have to take this into consideration that there were 65s out there on that course at the same time that you had the likes of all of the other guys that I just mentioned, so I mean you got to have some you got to have some stones if you're those little kids to be out there on a, on a tiny tiny bike with tiny wheels in some of the places that they take you at Glen Helen, knowing that you've got these guys bearing down on you and I and and a and a big uh, big thumbs up to those guys knowing that those kids were out there and uh, I, as I'm I'm sure that they were out there really being aware of where those kids were and and showing all the all the respect that those kids deserve when they were passing so that's uh that's all i got to say about the 24 so let's move on to the other race that happened uh happened over the weekend and that's checkers so checkers did something that they called a sprint scramble which is kind of a kind of an offshoot of uh what we're doing with the sprint enduros it was just a kind of a longer format than what we're going to run with the sprint enduros next year but it was a time start so i mean uh, if you race district thirty seven you know what i i 'm even going to go a little further even if you don 't race district thirty seven you 've heard of a checker's race, and so you know what you 're going to what to expect when you go there and they did not disappoint um, unfortunately i wasn 't able to make it the full distance I had some other you know I went a few miles and uh, quickly realized that I was going to need to lend a hand to some other people that were racing, so I went ahead and and check down on my race, like, so and make sure some other people were gonna were gonna attempt to finish. They'd be okay. And that's not to say there was anything wrong with the course, but the course is difficult. And and from time to time, uh, when you sign up for a race, uh, your expectations of your finish by far exceed uh, the talent that you have to do it. And so you know that's just sometimes that just happens. And that and that happens at a checkers race uh, for sure. I mean they. You know, those guys are first class at laying out uh, everything that a desert race should be, and that's exactly what this race was. Um, so, start off with a big thumbs up for Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith overalled it, uh, you know, on time. Ryan is absolutely crushing it, and it couldn't happen at a better time with him le- leading up to going to ISDE. Great job, Ryan. I mean, he he's just on fire right now. If uh, If there was anything that I could say that I was disappointed about with the checkers race was the turnout. They had somewhere in the neighborhood of 140 entries, and this is this is becoming a, uh, be starting to become a problem. If we start, if we look at the past few desert races, we're we're having trouble getting getting up above 200. And I think that part of that could be you know something could part of that could be attributed to the fact that we had there was a conflict this weekend between between you know, two pretty popular races. I just let, you know, let off a, read off a list of 20 some odd riders that are district regulars that were out racing the 24 hour. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it just, it probably prevented maybe half of those guys from going to the checkers race, maybe more. Um, So I think in the future, it's something that we talk about a lot in district is trying to make sure that we don't have any conflicts uh, between what it is that we do in district 37 and what it is that happens in the peripheral of District 37, other racing series that, that are happening. I mean, it, you know, listen, we have, a, we have a very, very full schedule. And it makes it, it, makes it difficult for there not to be uh, multiple dates throughout the course of our, of our year, our schedule, that don't have conflicts with some other racing organization or racing series, forcing riders to have to choose where they want to go. So I think that part of that factors into why it is that we're starting to see a dip in numbers. I think the other part of that is that uh, when you look at a dist- the District 37 schedule, the Checkers race, if I am correct, is the third race, the third, the third race in in what will be six race weekends back to back to back to back to back. That's a lot of races, week in, week out, and that's probably something that we can work on in district to try and try and find a way that we can instead of having one race every single weekend maybe we can start working in the direction of having race weekends where we have uh, one race on Saturday and one race on Sunday instead of us uh, you know f- i'm just you know for instance with the schedule we're you know going to drive up there drive to Red Mountain for invaders and then the following week we're going to drive back up there for hundreds uh you know and those are two very different races, but you know, Invaders is similar. You, you, maybe we drive up there for badgers, so maybe you could drive up there for badgers on Saturday, and then Sunday you could have Invaders. So you'd make it a weekend of racing, and then maybe you'd have a week off. Uh, I think maybe that might help with people being a little more interested in going to the desert. It's something that we certainly talk about, and I, you know, and I think it's important that we get it out there to whoever it is that's listening to this, because num- number one, it's important that everybody knows that that all of us that have been elected to positions within district are aware of the fact that there's a problem and we're, and we're all throwing ideas out there to try and figure out how, how we can fix it, how we can improve the ridership, how we can increase the ridership for the clubs. We are the representatives of the clubs. We work for the clubs. So now that's the first part. The second part is, you know, myself and all of the other district officers are, are very accessible. If you've got an idea, we want to hear it. You, if you think we're doing something wrong, we want to hear it. And you know, if, you, if you've got an idea on how you think we can fix it, we want to hear it. So I think it's important to get that out there. So stepping into the Wayback Machine, we're going to go back uh, to the previous weekend and talk about the Ridgecrest GP, the Viewfinders GP in Ridgecrest. It was frickin' phenomenal. So first, let's touch on their numbers. And this kind of refutes what it is that I just said a little while ago about conflicts. Um, this particular event had a conflict with another racing organization. And so, Viewfinders pulled over 1,400 entries. That's a, they're up. That was up about 150 entries from last year. They didn't seem to be affected whatsoever by the fact that they went head-to-head with a competing organization doing the exact same thing. So, something we're doing is working. Um, I know that uh, we, some things were moved around so that we could uh, accommodate uh, the pros that raced both the series, so that they could race, you know, you know, race everything that was happening that weekend, and it and from everything that I could see, it looked as if all the pros that were racing someplace else all showed up on Sunday so that they could be there to race the pro race, and the pro race was epic. They did a they did a phenomenal job. The course was the course was awesome. I mean, I love going to Ridgecrest it's it's fast it's flat it's sandy you know it's one of those places where you know if you've got the stones to hold it wide you're going to do well there and it's it's one of the places where you know when they used to do their their hour I, I think they started with a two hour or two and a half hour desert race before the before there was a wcgp so they had a desert race that was associated with that race and it was one of the most fun races that I did just, just for the mere fact that it was hard. Um, and you get these comparisons that, that, that a lot of riders like to make between, you know, is a desert, you know, a GP is not a desert race. It shouldn't pay desert points. Um, it's not hard like a desert race. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Um, the two hardest races I've ever raced in my life, okay, one of them was an, inv- an invader's desert race. And you may say invaders, you know, that I thought checkers were the hardest race. Or SoCal was the hardest race. Okay, the level of difficulty and what it is they laid out might not have been as difficult as what it is that, say, DMC or SoCal or checkers lay out. But it was 110 degrees in that race. And I threw up the whole way home. I finished, but I threw up the whole way home. It was so freaking hot. And that would have to be the hardest desert race that I've ever done. The second hardest race I ever did was, uh, was dirt diggers at Taft and that was the WCGP race and that's the only time that at the end of a race my hands were bleeding through my gloves because the course was so rough and it was an hour and a half long and it was in twilight, it was starting to get dark, so you know I take issue with anybody who says that a GP isn't hard it's just a different kind of hard, okay, and and what viewfinders do with their their long race that race is hard because the course goes away and it's got breaking bumps like you would not believe and and you gotta you gotta be a man to to race that race or to win that race and speaking of men who just absolutely laid it down trevor stewart is on a freaking tear okay uh with the win that he had at viewfinder he's viewfinders he is inching his way uh one step closer to that wcgp championship and that number one plate he led from start to finish the whole race, had a flawless race. His JCR Honda worked worked perfectly, and it was great to see a podium filled uh, with guys that grew up in district, with Trevor taking first, Blaine Thompson taking second, and the time penalty, a time penalty moving Dalton Shirey in, on his factory Husqvarna up to third place. I can tell you that I've, that I've watched both Trevor and Dalton grow up in, in our District 37 youth program. So I'm, what I can say is that District 37 is the place to race and District 37 builds champions. So moving on to something else, something that we've talked about, we, we seem to talk about on, on some of these podcasts are series that operate within District 37. Um, we've had a conversation uh, earlier, you know, early on one of the earlier podcasts uh, with Lisa, uh, Nasif, the GP steward, and and she kind of laid out the laid laid down the groundwork of uh, what it is that she does and and how you can interact with the steward and signing up for the GPS. And in a future a future podcast, we're going to get the the minds behind the big six uh, in to sit down and talk about where they came from, uh, where they're at, and what their vision is for the future. Uh, we did a podcast where we laid out. Uh we we laid out exactly what the Sprint Enduro series is going to be, where it came from and where it is, so we hope that it goes. And what we're gonna touch on today is the California Scramble series. So the birth of the California Scramble series kind of came uh came as a a somewhat rebirth of Best in the West. So Best in the, the Best in the West series was a was a selection of races throughout the course of the year uh, that encompassed all the different disciplines that happened within District 37. Um, I loved that series. I really you know, I, I think it's really cool and I'd like to see something like that come back. And it's quite possible that that if we if everything goes in the direction that we seem to be moving with multiple series working within District Thirty Seven, that what you could wind up having is a is a true champion based on all of these different series that are operating within District Thirty Seven. But the California Scramble series was created to fill the void that was left when best of the Best of the West kind of petered out. And the thought behind the California Scramble series was that they wanted to create a series that was, I, I think entry level is not, not really the, the correct word, but something that was a little more rider friendly. And so it, what they wanted it to be a series that uh, you only had to ride one loop to earn points for that series, so you didn't have to pit if you didn't want to. Um, the races were supposed to be uh, relatively easy. Uh, And they you know they toyed with uh, adding some old bike classes It was something that had happened over the past couple of years and you know I don't know if we did a really good job of advertising it Uh, So we didn't really so with the old bike class We didn't really see a whole lot of old bikes coming out and just with the series in general We created the series, but then we didn't really do anything with it. So at the at the beginning of the year You know, we were kind of working our way through what we're doing with the California Scramble series, and we started approaching, you know, 2019 and had to make some decisions on what it is we're going to do. So we started having conversations about whether we thought that the California Scramble series was something that should continue. I'm a big supporter of it. Um, But as is the case with anything, you you can't really judge something by, you know, as a success or failure if you don't put any work into it. And I don't feel like us as a district have put any work into clearly defining what that series is going to be and then promoting it to the ridership so that they knew that that series was there and exactly what it was going to be. So on the promotional end, we, we reached out to, to clubs um, that we thought would be interested in hosting those races. And all those clubs agreed that they were going to get together and sit down in a room and decide what they thought it w- would be. But what they all agreed on before, they, before we've had a chance to sit down is that they know that they have to offer consistency with with the series and consistency between the rounds and and with that consistency what i mean is is that the the first loop of the of so so basically let me back up a little bit so what that series is going to be made up of is going to be three desert scrambles of which the first loop of those desert scrambles will be for california scrambles points and then it will be three euro scrambles and three dual euro scrambles and both both races at the dual euro will count for California scrambles points so you will have a total of nine races uh... we're working on the rules but it looks as though we're moving in the direction of you having one throw away and right now that uh... we're we're finalizing everything but it looks as though for right now that the races that would be part of the california scramble series uh... would be The first loop of the Four Aces Desert Scramble, the first loop of the Rovers Desert Scramble, the first loop of the Invaders Desert Scramble, and then HBMc's Dual Euro, Badger's Dual Euro, and Shamrock's Dual Euro. So collectively, those clubs will work together to make sure that what they're offering is something are courses that are fast, fast and friendly. For all age groups, and we are going to do everything that we can on the district side to try and market that. You will earn scrambles points. You'll earn a scrambles championship, and you know it's it's going to be very much like how it is now. Just we're just going to put a little shine on it. We're, we, I guess you could call it uh, the California scrambles reboot. So that's the direction we're trying to head. You know, with the California Scramble series, and we're hoping that we can that we can get some interest and the ridership to come out and really and really follow it um, if it's up to me if it's up to me we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that we can add those old bike classes the same old bike classes that they've been running previously uh and you know try and ex- maybe hopefully expand on it so that we're running the same old bike classes that we run uh in big six so i know that uh, we're covering a whole lot of ground uh i hope we've touched on a lot of different points uh, it's everything that I've got going on in my, you know, in my head. I just wanted to share some of it. We've got a couple of really busy weeks coming up. Uh, we've got Invaders coming up uh, this coming weekend at Red Mountain. And the following weekend, we've got hundreds, uh, hundreds MC is putting on their national, same place, Red Mountain. And the following weekend is Prospector's Grand Prix at Gorman. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I highly recommend that you go to all three of those races. We've got a lot of really interesting points battles shaping up and all and you know and that's what I really dig about the end of the year is that you've got points battles all over the place and everything's starting to tighten up and you start if you if you're on the line, you can watch guys looking for each other and they're counting their points and they know they got to be at every race. you got guys watching other guys in their class. I know I know specifically I'm watching a couple of points battles, there's a really, really great points battle shaping up in the in the vet heavyweight class. Uh, it's going to come if everything plays out the way the way it looks like it should. It's going to come down to the very last race of the year to decide who's going to get that number one plate. Uh, I know that the mag heavyweight class is you know there's you've got stuff moving all over. The thing up you know one of the things that you hear a lot of people complain about is we've got entirely too many races. And that's a that's really a subject for a whole other podcast. But what I can tell you is that part of the beauty of having such a long season is anything can happen. The guys that were that were up on top, uh, you know, they find themselves starting to work their way down. In order to earn a number one plate in District 37, they're not just handing those things out. It requires you. It requires you racing at a high level for an entire year. That means keeping. Keeping your mind right, keeping your body healthy, keeping your bike running, and I've and and that's the case in a lot of these classes. You've had guys that were running running up top, uh, you know, in the points that look you know, look like these you know particular guys were going to battle it out, and then they fall to injury. It looks like other guys are going to step into that, and then they wind up having, you know, colossal bike issues. It, it's it and then all of a sudden it leaves it wide open for anybody, and everybody's doing everything they can to get out to the races and soldiering through while they're hurt and and trying to piece together bikes to get out there and earn points and make finishes. That's one of the things that you don't see in a whole lot of other racing organizations that I think is unique to District 37. You know, so something else that I wanted to share because it's something that, you know, we may be headed in a different direction, but we haven't forgotten where our roots are. And it's something that, you know, we hold we hold those values and those roots, you know, close close to our hearts. So I think that's a good place for us to go ahead and, and end uh, tonight's podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I know you've got a lot of options on what to listen to uh, you know, when you're driving in your truck or your car or you're at home doing whatever. And we really appreciate you clicking on over to the Wide Open Podcast uh, and taking time to sit down with us for a little bit and hear what it is that's going on in District 37 and things we're talking about. So, as always, thank you very much, and we will see you at the races.